have to talk fast tonight since <laughs> got 15 minutes to tell you the secret to <laughs> secret to happiness. That reminds me of a story that that my mother told me about the the person who who went to meet the the rabbi uh, to well the person who wanted desperately know the meaning of life and so they traveled a long way to meet the rabbi and and really arduous journey and finally they got to meet the rabbi and they said to the rabbi you know um, what's the you know what's the meaning of life asked the rabbi and the rabbi said Life is a fountain. And the guy said, I traveled all this way and you're telling me life is a fountain? So the rabbi said, so it's not a fountain. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) And then there's the woman who traveled enormous distance to, to speak to the guru on the top of a mountain. And she really did go through an arduous journey and, and she had to take different means of transportation. Finally, she got to the cave where the, the great guru was and she was um, told at the entrance to the cave that she could only say three words to the guru. And she you know, thought about it and she went into the cave and sat in front of the guru and what were her three words? Sheldon, come home. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) So I had the, uh, I had an interesting, I had several things, I completely changed what I had originally planned to talk about, but I, I started to reflect during the sitting tonight about my Thanksgiving weekend. And I imagine many people had either uh, less happening than they wanted to or more happening than they wanted to, were with too many people or weren't with enough people. There's so many things that can get triggered on Thanksgiving. But uh, I, I had the, I would say, very good fortune to be welcomed into a, a family uh, that was uh, holding Thanksgiving dinner and we were invited as a family because my daughter was friends with the, the, one of the daughters of this family and so we went to their house and they could not have been more gracious and lovely. But then we, we sat around and we played games, which is a, always an interesting kind of Rorschach test for... And, and it was... Uh, and then through the night, you know, listening, there were some other families there and I'm listening to the conversation. And it became really apparent to me that the family was hosting us, lovely, but they were incredibly competitive. (laughs) And the other families that were there were also incredibly competitive. And then I noticed the conversation was all about, you know, because they were young people associated with college and there was so much ambition and wanting to be somebody and th- and I felt in some way even though I loved all these people but I felt like a stranger in a strange land in a way because at least in my 
in my world, and it may be because I'm shrouded by my own, uh, the comfort of, of hanging out with more like-minded people, but in my world, I, I live in an environment where people have taken to heart the words of Thich Nhat Hanh where he says, you, you as you are, you who are the richest person on earth. Of course, he goes on to say, who've been going around begging for a living. He says, stop being the destitute child. Come home and reclaim your heritage. But I'm hanging out. I've hung out with a lot of people who have tasted, who know at least in moments that you are the richest person on earth, that you don't have to justify your existence. You don't have to, to, you don't have to run, run after something in order to be whole. You know to some degree that, that you, don't have to, you don't have to lift out of this moment to find your sufficiency, your, uh, the justification for your existence. You are not, as I've been speaking lately, you know that you are not a problem to be solved, but a, a, an exquisite, individual, unique expression of life. That... Um, that don't have to beg for a living. And it became, uh, I was just so grateful for having that, that simple Dharma wisdom of, uh, of knowing that when I don't look back and I don't look ahead, and I really let myself experience myself, feel whatever it is, that what I'm experiencing here is enough. It's the right experience. Why? Because it's happening. That everything I do doesn't have to be a means to an end. That everything doesn't have to be a pass-through on my way to something else. That life is, I'm enough and life is enough right as it is right now. And it's so easy to miss that. So I started thinking during the sitting of, of the Advaita teaching, you know, from Sri Nisargadatta where he says, you know, this is contrasting this almost maniacal tendency to think that I have to become something in order to be okay. This line from Nisargadatta where he says, nothing can make you happier than you are. Try that one on. That all search for happiness is misery and leads to more misery. That the only happiness worth that name is the natural happiness of being awake, of being conscious. Why do you think the Buddha said, put your mind in your body? What's the, is because this is, it's here with your present experience that you find what you're looking for. It's trite to say it, but you are what you're looking for. The divine, you know, as, as 
that line from Eat, Pray, Love. The divine is in you as you. And that's what we recover. We reclaim that heritage that Thich Nhat, He says, you, the richest person on earth, going around begging for a living, stopping the destitute child, recl- come home, reclaim your heritage. And if you don't feel that, practice until you do. Practice staying where you are until you do. Because I think that will, you know, if you're, if you're, if you know your essential goodness, your essential richness, your essential sufficiency, your essential enoughness, then whatever you do or wherever you're going, because we're all in a state of becoming naturally, but often we're in that state of becoming in a state of fear, in a state of anxiety, in a state of suspended happiness. But if you can, first things first, find your home in the living present, then you can go about succeeding or failing with a relaxed heart, with a well-being that doesn't depend on your circumstances, doesn't depend on, on whether the world turns out one way or the other, or, the, or the, the, which political party is in charge. Doesn't mean that you don't work your, your tush off to, to um, elect those who, who support what you truly believe in and what you think is for the, for the highest good. But, but you can be happy as you do that. You can be whole. You are the richest person on earth. So I think in the, in the last few minutes, just uh, it's, not, it's not just this technical thing of the four foundations of mindfulness. Mindfulness directed to the body. Mindfulness directed to feeling. Sensation. Mindfulness directed to mind and mood and, and mental state. And mindfulness directed to, the, to, the, to wisdom to understand what's, what's wholesome and what's helpful and what's, what gets in our way. All of that is in the service of you reclaiming uh, your heritage. You knowing that, that, uh, that you are what you're looking for. And that, uh, that no degree can ever give you that. No job. No, no amount in your bank account. Uh, no experience. But really the freedom from the dependency on experiences. So it's about liberation. It's about the freedom of the heart. That uh, the freedom of the heart is unconditioned. It's not. Uh, we can't hold ourselves hostage to uh, how things turn out. That kind of postponement has never made anybody happy. Um, so. The words of Utejaniya, whatever you are experiencing in this moment, you can even generalize it, in this time is the right experience. As soon as our mind says it's the wrong experience, whatever you're experiencing is the right experience. No need to be happy or unhappy about what is happening. There's no need to like or dislike the experience. Be happy that there is the knowing and awareness as this in itself is already wholesome. At least start with that. 
if you start with what you're experiencing as the right experience, then that creates an openness. And that openness allows your intelligence, your intuition, your love to then operate on what you're experiencing. And if, then if you need to change something or get a different job or get a different relationship or do something about your, your body or your mind or, or your, whatever it is that's happened to you, you do it from a place of, of open-heartedness, not from a place of deficiency, of, of, uh, of tension. All I, you know, I, I'm, right now I'm just thinking of the, of the words of Hakuin Zenji, which I probably share every few weeks, where he says, uh, how sad that people ignore the near and search for truth afar. Uh, truly, is anything missing now? This, um, this very room, this very place, is the lotus land, this very body, the Buddha. So as Ajahn Chah says, don't let your mind leave your body. If you keep your mind settled in your body, you'll discover that you're actually okay. If you keep going into, your, into the disembodied internal narrative about time and what's next, you will wander a long time confused. So just keep checking out. Is anything missing now? Just keep checking it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Over and over until you know nothing else but, but what's happening right now. And perhaps this living present will become so compelling that you won't be so concerned about what's next. I don't know. I'm thrilled to be able to remind myself because... Every time I get really rooted to, the, to real time, it's like, wow, what have I been, where, where has my mind been? And then I feel a little sad at first. I may even cry because I'm kind of homesick for myself. So may we all get homesick for ourselves, and, but essentially not leave home. Anyway, thanks for listening and thanks for being here. We do have a few announcements to make before we leave. They're kind of at the end tonight. Casey, you still here? <laughs> still here after all these years. Okay, how does the uh, present right now become my past and become your present? It's a piece of legacy. It's a, it's a phenomenon. We could talk about it multiple lengths, but let's just focus it in on the, the subject of generosity. <laughs> and uh, we'll think of legacy as being something that a gentleman that I know personally who was here and who's passed sat in these chairs years ago and faithfully gave and faithfully set a legacy. And I walked into these chairs a few years ago and found, uh, found something that I couldn't find anywhere else. And uh, so I got on track with that and, um, and 
the first message of the Buddha to the lay people, right, was the subject of generosity. And the first has a significance, and um, the first teaching was on generosity, and um, well, I think, see in the past, I had all these things I was gonna say, but my future now is <laughs> not what I thought was my, gonna be my, it's not what I thought back then. I mean, it's different, right? Yeah, that's. I had in my mind that I was going to be this, say this, but now I'm. Yeah. I'm my future present. I mean, my present is not what the past was in my mind. <laughs> that's a good teaching. And so right there. here we are in the present, and um, yeah, I think presently I'm going to just keep it simple. Beautiful. Yeah, uh, five dollars to twenty-five dollars suggested donation. And we have a program called An Evening with Mission Dharma. It's, it's an opportunity to donate $156 for room rental, up to $256, and that includes room rental insurance and um, security. So that opportunity is available. You can see Mary for um, more information on that. And the important part of this was for me to kind of give a little bit of a... Um, uh, a shout out to anybody who wants to volunteer and maybe get on track with leaving a little bit of legacy. I found that volunteering here uh, makes me, helps me get on, keep on track. Like I was at the office today and if I didn't have the volunteer opportunity in front of me, I would be at the office still or be at home sleeping. So it kept me on track with the legacy that I wanted to start with. So it not only does that, but I could go on and on about all the great things that I've experienced here as being a part of the team. And um, so if that opportunity excites you or you want that um, opportunity, please see Mary. She'll give you more information. And, um, hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. Thank you, Casey. Thanks for volunteering. That's a form of generosity in Donna. So thank you for your generosity and hope to see you next Tuesday. Oh, next, yeah, we have a, you'll, it'll be in the bulletin that comes out, but we have a special little event next Tuesday, and we'll explain at the time. I'll just give you a sneak preview. It's about widening our circle of sensitivity. Anyway, have a great week. Please keep your mind in your body. <laughs>